When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host. We're back with another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for listening in. Make sure to rate and review the show. Subscribe wherever you find podcasts and never miss an episode like this week's episode. Let's start off like this. Celebrity endorsements. They're a popular marketing tool for brands seeking to gain wide attention from targeted consumers in a relatively short period of time. Within federally regulated industries, these endorsement deals are often straightforward. But this week, we're going to talk about the ever-changing legal landscape of trademark and copyright enforcement to the possible perils of associating a cannabis brand with an already iconic image. And joining me right now to go and speak about this is founder and co-chair of the Cannabis Department at Greenberg Glusker LLP, Priya Sapori. Priya, thanks so much for making time to join us. So glad to have you. We are fans of the show, and I am really happy to be here. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm, I'm I'm humbled that you would say that, that you had a chance to listen to this program. And I'm really, on a side note, I'm really glad that I really am surprised that the size of the audience that really does listen to this show on a regular basis and for whatever we're going to be talking about. But this is where coming on to the show, I really want to go ahead and dig deep into this subject. And that's because of the fact of other programming that I do outside of cannabis radio. I like to talk about the media. I like to focus and research on what's going on, especially now this new dynamic of celebrities and influencers and who is being used to really brand and market in the cannabis space in particular, but also in other markets. But anyway, let's go into this real quick. I'm going to start things off by talking about a story from Rolling Stone. They wrote back in April this year. They mentioned cannabis legalization is rippling across the country with New York, Virginia, and New Mexico All passing cannabis reform bills, a total of 17 states plus D.C. has legalized cannabis for adult use. As cannabis goes mainstream, plenty of famous folks are getting into into the cannabis business. Athletes, actors, rappers, and rockers are openly embracing getting high, whether it's an alternative to opioids or just because they really love weed. Now, as for Greenberg-Glusker, you're particularly well known for your work in the entertainment sphere, clients, Pretty high select of, of clients include James Cameron, Vin Diesel, and one race, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Cruise, Riot Games, the estate of J.R.R. Tolkien, Marvel Entertainment, and the estate of Bob Marley. Quite a roster. Entertainment industry magazines like Variety and Hollywood Reporter have listed Greenberg Lesker attorneys on lists of lawyers to know in the biz. Talk to me about the polarization, Priya, that cannabis brings to a celebrity when they publicize their association? So far, I don't think we've seen a lot of polarization. And that's because in a number of these instances, and I know you're going to be able to bring up 
exceptions as well, because there are always exceptions to this rule. But in a number of these instances, celebrities that are endorsing cannabis are personalities that have a connection to cannabis, either through their films and projects or through their personal life. And so it's been something with possibly the exception of Martha Stewart, where we've always seen these personalities previously connected to cannabis in one way or the other. So you really don't feel as if when a celebrity makes the announcement that they're going to be partnering up with a company or they're going to make mention of that an interview they might have at, you know, some kind of a, ju a junket, they might say something and that will cause a concern because, you know, I think there's a thing with America about almost some kind of purification some sanctimonious kind of feel that their celebrities need to be sacred and need to be put to a higher standard. But then once, but once you hear somebody talk about how they, they use cannabis on a regular basis, the stigma kind of falls along and the news media can't help but bring that to light. You don't think that actually still is a constant thing that still happens? I think there's a culture that seeks to tear down people who are in the media, who are regularly in front of people in our living rooms and that culture affects celebrities as well as athletes though, and really anyone who's in the public eye. But those of us who work with celebrities or popular figures always know that there are human beings behind those personas and that I was laughing to myself when you said we were holding them to a higher standard because I wasn't sure if the pun was intended. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. Sorry, but you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> the thing is, is that you know celebrities when they're put to a spot, the expectations are arisen, and really, to in a lot of cases, to ridiculous expectations. And this is where you know you have the publicity team that has a particular spin or narrative they have on a, on a character. I mean, it's the same thing where if a celebrity gets married, if some high-profile celebrity marriage happens, we know some of that is staged. We know some of that is contrived and made. And sometimes the other thing I also feel is that there might be a thought that celebrities might say or support something just to be performative. And we know that's becoming a common phrase now when it comes to social equity or diversity, equity, inclusion, that I think some celebrities might be put to that standard and might get called out for it. And where are they going to do it? The news, if they can use it to monetize from it, they'll say something about it and report it. And social media will be the place where maybe their fans or those that are just detractors and just want to see the downfall of a celebrity, they're going to make a point there too. Actually, I think you hit the nail on the head there because I think what we all value from people in the public eye is authenticity. And so if something doesn't ring as authentic, then people are going to get called out on it and rightfully so. And I think that is a litmus test in and of itself. And so when you see these celebrity endorsements with cannabis, if there is no real tie to cannabis, either personally, culturally, or with one's products, there's going to be that ring of inauthentic behavior that really strikes a chord with people and upsets people, and rightfully so, because when someone is offering a personal endorsement, what does that mean? That means that they are personally saying, this is something that I, as a human being, believe in, not I, the personality or persona that you've seen in these various television projects or movies 
indoors. And so that has to create some sort of connection with the listening audience, with those who are using cannabis. And if that authenticity isn't there, then you would expect that people will be taken down for it. The other thing I think too is that, and you can tell me what you feel about this, that a number of the celebrities that do decide to either invest or to become a spokesperson in the cannabis space are going to be people that have already made a name for themselves. And many times over, they're not going to be canceled. It's not going to hurt their careers as a result. When you see a Jim Belushi or you see a Seth Rogen come into the space, they've already made their name for themselves well over. And even sometimes you might have had some kind of reference to feeling like, well, you know, that's a pretty obvious thing that would go and go into this venture. There's that part. So it's, I mean, do you feel like there's a bit of a balance that if somebody's coming new, becoming a new star or becoming famous and they haven't reached their peak of fame, that somebody going into the cannabis space needs to wait until after they've reached their peak and they're kind of on the way where they're, they've made their legacy, that they have to have made that before they decide to make a decision like this, investing or, you know, mar being used for marketing or branding of a product. I think you're right. And I also like to think of it from the other perspective. If I'm working with the cannabis company and they're looking for a celebrity endorser, I would want to select someone with an already established personality. And while there are risks and rewards with respect to choosing someone with an already established persona, you're less likely to be surprised if something comes to light that's very negative about that person. Um, some sort of unsavory criminal history or homophobic racist comments, the kinds yeah. of things that are, are very offensive as they should be and can really destroy both the celebrity as well as the brands associated with those celebrities, right? So in those situations, I think more about companies that are looking for endorsers mm -hmm. and how cautious they need to be about vetting the celebrities as well as the team the celebrity has in place and the past comments that have been made by celebrities, past endorsements, because all of a sudden, if you're gonna associate not just the persona, but the person with your cannabis brand, what are you buying and what are you buying into? The other thing too is with that same point is that you're looking at an audience, the celebrities are gonna be a particular demographic that's gonna target an older demographic. So this leads to my next question because if you have companies that are looking to try to target a younger consumer, and get them adopting at the cannabis right sooner than later, once they reach 18 or 21, uh, that's where I would think influencers would be the next option. And can I think also that influencers have much more, have a little bit more relatability after a celebrity has been encompassed in Hollywood for so long, they might've lost a little bit where their roots came from. So they might not be able to adapt or not be able to show that relatability they had once before. So they might remember where they came from, but, you know, they're exposed to such a different lifestyle that you kind of lose yourself. So I'm going to take from a story from Digiday. Historically, influencers have been hesitant to partner with cannabis or any other unorthodox brand out of fear of getting their own social media accounts banned. So you're having a fear for that. And it can be a heavy lift to educate them on posting guidelines, government regulations, as they vary by state to state. 
And this is according to Victoria Bachan, Managing Director of Influencer Marketing Agency, Wallar. Uh, their creative management division called Wallar Talent, excuse me. Quote, sometimes they're a little bit harder to find, but they are out there, she said. Luckily, there's so many new social platforms now, out nowadays where influencers don't necessarily feel scared. So my point is, I think if you need to find somebody that has a great following that could stand behind a cannabis product or service or good, talk to me about the possible risk that social media could cause from a legal perspective when it comes to celebrities and if there's influencers that would be the other option to draw in a younger demographic and the risks that they would take. I feel there's a lot to unpack there and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Part of it is I think it's risky for social media influencers to be endorsing cannabis companies because there are so many FTC guidelines with respect to cannabis, cannabis advertising on all types of media platforms, as well as individual guidelines for each of those social media platforms. And so to make sure that one is not running afoul of any of those various platforms can be an onerous task, especially if your livelihood is for you don't and all of your YouTube channels. You aren't going to want to take the kind of risk that can get you canceled from YouTube or have your account deleted from Instagram. And because sponsorships require disclosures as well on all of on nearly all of those social media platforms. I think there's a risk there as well of running foul, as you've pointed out, of various federal regulations, of platform regulations, which can be uh, very complicated, as well as, and this is part of what I was talking about where we need to unpack, is the risk of targeting a younger demographic. Because when you say a younger demographic, we need to be talking about people in their 22 and over. Absolutely. Right. Because so many of these social media influencers, and as the mother of a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, mm -hmm. they have an impact on these kids. And I think that YouTube has very recently tried to take a number of steps to separate younger audiences from older audiences in terms of trying to distinguish whether or not the target audience is a younger under 18 audience and how that affects sponsorships and advertising. And so one of the risks I would never want to be involved with as an influencer, as a cannabis company, is that risk of marketing to the set that's under 21. Because, and, and this is something I advise every single cannabis company that I work with is no names of cannabis strains after kids candy <laughs> right. or after well-known kids snacks. It's like, you know, <laughs> if I, if anything is going to implode the cannabis industry, it's going to be that perception that the cannabis industry is targeting young people. And so influencers, I think, need to be especially aware of that, given that much of their audience appears to be the younger set and people who are not of legal age. Well, because, I mean, you can see it quite a few people that are either Gen Z or millennials that they definitely consume. And you might see them quite often, you know, frequent a dispensary or go to a, a, a vape shop or, or, you know, a head shop to go ahead and find product. But with social media, being able to go ahead and we know there's the, the restrictions and regulations being put upon 
by or really in the censorship is being put by a lot of social media platforms. You can't necessarily put any content that you could have that's already pre pre made, but I would imagine that some companies could see the idea of at one point Periscope. I mean, you could be considering it being called Perismoke because there were a lot of people that were consuming cannabis and they were smoking or vaping on a regular basis during a live stream. And then through live streaming, you can see the same thing either on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. If somebody's going on live and it's not being recorded, and so there's less of a chance of being caught with it. And if there was, say, a company that said, you know what, if you're going to go ahead and you know consume, let's send you some product. Just go ahead and make sure you show the branding when you're on there live streaming. I don't know if that's something that's, that's a risk that can't be taken, but I'm sure any company will find any kind of workaround they can. If a celebrity, because I ask this because of the fact of celebrities come with publicity, come with managers, agents, and additional costs, and the time given for them to be able to be made available. And I also know the other workaround is that working with influencers, you can't really expect them to be reliable or to be on time or to also be accountable for what they're doing as well. It's There's a lot of work there, but I mean, when you look at, the opportunities that you could have being able to use utilize social media specifically. Is that a route that they could take? Is that, would that be something that would be not recommended? I think I would recommend it as long as there is control as well as explicit or I'm trying to think of the better word for it as everything needs to be spelled out. Right. And it okay. needs to be spelled out for the company and it needs to be spelled out for the influencer or there's going to be disastrous consequences. And the way in which we've seen product placement in the past, in a, in a film or on a television show, I'm thinking even about Sex in the City when Carrie Bradshaw opens her computer and we all know what kind of laptop she's using. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of subtle product placement that we've had for years and years oh, yeah. and that we've seen in film, television, et cetera. And I think it's very effective. Oh yeah. And, you know, but in comparison that those types of product placements never had to be disclosed. There was never an asterisk that came across your screen that said, um, this is a paid advertisement on behalf of so-and-so. Whereas with social media platforms, you see those disclosure requirements. So it can't just be that an influencer is vaping with a particular brand and enjoying that brand while doing something else, um, mm -hmm. perhaps while gaming, while doing anything else, you know, talking with friends, um, running tricks, et cetera. It's just nowadays there has to be that disclosure of, you know, hashtag sponsored post where you see the brand that's being advertised. And if it's a paid sponsorship, that needs to be disclosed on the platform as well. So there is this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's that subtlety that existed in product placement with movies, with television that doesn't really exist on social media platforms. But I do think it can be well done. And I think we've seen it well done on Instagram, which has very strict rules. But if you abide by those rules, I think that it's very possible to uh, create a to create sort of an, an ambiance and a character for your company that exists through Instagram, which I think can be really fantastic. Right. I bring it up because 
if you, you see a lot of people now that I don't know how much the great resignation they've been talking about in the news is really how realistic that really is. But I would imagine when people know that if they're going live with content and they're able to go and get donations or super chats or some kind of monetization for, especially with TikTok, if you're an influencer there, if you're on live for as long as you are, you're making more money. So let's go two birds with one stone. Let's see if we can go and monetize from our audience and get money from a company that'll show us, hey, while we're t consuming their product, we're making money off of that too. And it just makes more makes more sense if they can actually get that kind of pipeline of income coming in for them instead of working in the traditional work environment. Uh, I'm here again with Priya Sapori, founder and chair of the cannabis department at Greenberg Glusker in California and Los Angeles. Uh, we're back with more. I'm going to bring up a story from the folks at East Bay Express writing a story called Weed Fluencers Rise and Cannabis Influencers Leads to Industry Distrust. I want to bring that up after a short break. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. And we're back with Priya Sapori here on Blunt Business, founder and co-chair of the Cannabis Department at Greenberg, Greenberg Glusker. East Bay Express, uh, that's one of the alternative magazines in California, they wrote a story titled, Weedfluencers, Rise in Cannabis Influencers Leads to Industry Distrust. And they write, the culture clash that has characterized the cannabis business since before California voters legalized adult use in 2016 shows few signs of abating despite the pandemic and all the other struggles the industry faces. Many of the people who worked in the state's cannabis industry in the years and decades before legalization worry about venture capitalists and big weed stomping into their world, pushing out smaller players, and placing the market in a few powerful hands. So far, their worries have been largely justified. Lately, complaints have turn to another issue that might prove even more ruinous from the perspective of traditionalists, at least then industry concentration and unfair competition. I'm talking about unsufferable industry hype. Right from the get-go, I'm going to finish here with this paragraph, celebrities from Tommy Chong and Roseanne Barr to Martha Stewart have flocked to weed to enhance their 
quote-unquote brands. They put their names on products that in some cases might be wholly unfamiliar with and other cases like that of Jim Belushi, they're actively involved with running pot companies. But for most show up for appearances at Bacchanalian industry events, where at least they did so before the pandemic hit. So we talked about this earlier before, but let's talk about the level of participation and the balance of involvement versus the paid endorsement for name use and how you determine the ramifications based on their level of involvement. Well, I think this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that it is a matter of authenticity. If it rings true to that celebrity's personal taste, because once again, you know, you're not buying an endorsement necessarily of a particular character, you're buying the endorsement of the actual actor or uh, the actual athlete, whatever the case may be. But what you're looking for is that authentic person behind the persona. And if that doesn't ring true with an audience, there's going to be a backlash. But also, I think many of those concerns that you just read about are 100% justified. And if you ask a lot of the mom and pop shops, what's the worst thing to have happened to the cannabis arena? They're going to say legalization, because all of the regulations that have been in place, the landscape that is changing, it feels every single day, it's been it's been difficult, more than difficult for those companies to keep up with what's going on on a larger scale. And I think that their concerns are justified. I think there is going to be a great deal of investment. And I, I'm very much on the fence myself about how I feel about federal legalization for that reason. I would love to see, I would love to see marijuana taken off the Controlled Substance Act, yep. but I don't think in a million years I would like to see federal regulation because then I think you're going to see uh, the building of R.J. Reynolds, Philip Morris's of the cannabis world. And I think they are going to swallow up a lot of what people yeah. feel is authentic and true about the cannabis industry in California, that you still have a number of individuals who care about their consumers and care about their product and that it's personal. It's very personal to them. So Priya, now that everything, nearly everything is happening online, people are starting to complain about influencers. We're going to go back to that again. The group is newer in the cannabis space. Thanks largely to the fact that it's difficult for many pot companies to advertise because of all the legal restrictions and regulations. I'm uh, quoting from East Bay express again. They can't run TV or radio ads in most cases. In many markets, even print and billboard ads are forbidden. Putting influencers to work, which we've been already talking about earlier on in the first segment, is one, day, one way to deal with that problem. And what I'm looking at, without going back into the whole influencer discussion again, was just, are you seeing generally more influencers overtaking the need of celebrity endorsements? And the reason I would say that is because as I mentioned before, celebrities, there's going to be a bit of red tape that you have to go through and a lot of green lighting before they get to go ahead and be available for a project, however involved they are. So are you seeing more influencers being brought on board over celebrities? I think it's riskier for influencers to be working with the cannabis industry, riskier for them than it would be for celebrities. The reason being that, you know, once again, with all of these 
regulations and forget about the FTC and federal regulations, right? Just think about platform regulations. So for example, with, with Instagram, uh, the number of things that one cannot do on Instagram when it comes to cannabis, it's a long list. And the concern I think for an influencer is that if your Instagram account is canceled, that's a good portion of your business gone. Whereas with a traditional movie television celebrity, that's not going to be the case. And so that risk, I think, of in these somewhat untested waters of these various platforms, being a cannabis company endorser and using your YouTube channels as the platform for those advertisements can be very risky because if that platform cancels your account, I'm not sure where that influencer goes from there because that's their entire, that's their entire, I, I'm trying to use another word. That's the entire foundation of their career. Right. I think one of the things I talked to Luke D'Andrea, he was a, he's founder of drip D R I H P. It's a product line, uh, mostly clothing line, a safe hemp line. And, what he did was, in terms of marketing his product, he did go after influencers, but he found influencers that already had some kind of fame prior to. It wasn't some organic influencer that was only discovered by something really minuscule or just something that's a kind of just a one trick that that influencer does online and gets millions of views. I mean, he brought on Bella Thorne, who's worked as an actress and worked as a model and worked in other things. And she's done her own philanthropic work. So there's a lot of fame to her, Rachel Cook and Jay Alvarez. And the difference was those are influencers that already had some kind of, they, they were multifaceted, multidimensional influencers that were not just being found. They were, they just found themselves, kind of took their fame and brought themselves over to become influencers. So I would imagine then if you went after an influencer, would it be more savvy to go and find somebody that, wasn't just being found for just something simple online. So if, so if it's a cannabis product, it's not just because they consume and that's the only thing they do and they might see something and there's just a very simple way of entertaining. You want somebody that has multiple layers of being popular, not just on social media. Yes, I 100% agree with you for a number of reasons. And, and while we're talking about this too, we should keep in mind that the regulations with respect to the advertisement of CBD products and hemp, mm -hmm. very different from cannabis and vaping, for example. So far less onerous. And in terms of finding someone who already has a following, who already has an established personality, in my mind, there's considerably less risk because there's less risk that there are, let's put it this way, the public to some extent has largely vetted that celebrity for you. Does that make sense? Yes. And so there's, there's less risk that something's going to be discovered by your consumer or target consumer that is unsavory to them that turns them against you as a company. Kind of a background search. You're in the public eye. Paparazzi Absolutely. can follow you. There's nothing you can't, there won't be any stone that can't be unturned. Everybody will be able to find out everything, which I, I totally agree with that. And that's really the balance you have to have is that if you want, as I was talking about earlier, that younger demographic, you want somebody that became an influencer and wasn't just all of a sudden overnight 
just on being behind a camera or you know their iPhone and doing something either a dance or something else they were doing online. Uh, so I want to go ahead and take another break. We're going to wrap things up. I wish we had more time, but uh, what I want to do next is I want to actually just talk about the the scope and scale of Greenberg Glusker as a law firm. And there's just just one question that I always have for certain companies that are part of the mainstream that make their way into cannabis. I'm going to ask about that here with Priya Sapori, founder and chair of the cannabis department at Greenberg Glusker LLP. And by the way, if you want to take a look at their website, go ahead and look for them at GreenbergGlusker.com. Greenberg, G-L-U-S-K-E-R.com. Take a look at that as we go to commercial break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with final questions with Priya Sapori, founder and co-chair of the Cannabis Department at Greenberg Glusker, LLP. And Priya, I really appreciate you making time to go and talk to me about this, this, this subject. Every once in a while when I get this opportunity, I like to talk about this part because I think there's a lot of pretty good size, you know, companies that are listening to this program that I think getting this disinformation and just understanding, you know, they're trying to find if you don't, if there's only so many restrictions being allowed through paid advertising and trying to find ways to get endorsements or find other ways to market and get product out there to promote and find a way to get the products noticed. And then the clientele you have, they might be interested in joining in the, into the cannabis industry in some way or form, whichever level they want to be. I think this is a very important subject. But let's talk about why Greenberg Glusker is such an important to see that this cannabis department is here in play. Your firm boasts a strong real estate practice through which its lawyers advise on everything from acquisitions and sales to financing and land use to project, project development and restructuring. And you're a regular on the real estate scene in Southern California, but also throughout California itself. You have clients including banks, commercial and residential brokerage firms, construction companies, government agencies, investors, landlords, tenants, REITs, to name some. And that your professionals don't operate in a box, integrating an interdisciplinary practice, including areas such as tax, bankruptcy, and environmental issues. There's a whole lot of other ground that you cover. But now you have this cannabis department. You've had this for a while, and you are part of this. Has there been any friction from clients or anything at all that you felt from the launching of this cannabis wing of Greenberg Gluster? Gluster, excuse me. I feel I need to preface that answer by saying that I am horrible at marketing. <laughs> and I think it's because I'm too forthcoming. So right. I'm probably going to share with you, overshare with you right now. But I think that anytime you want to go into a new industry, right? And it, cannabis or anything else, there's going to be a lot of vetting that's done by a law firm, especially one that has been around as long as you know, Greenberg Glasker has for 50 plus years. It's a very white shoe law firm, as you were mentioning, right. interdisciplinary. And one of the lovely things about that with respect to our cannabis practice is that we've been able to have these 
successes in a variety of areas, uh, because when you're dealing with the city of Los Angeles, the city attorney's right. office, whatever it is, or, or DHS, we've had those situations as well. Yeah. I think that the more experience you have in these different areas, the stronger your team is because you're just ready to hit back at everything. You know, if it's brokers that are being accused of, um, of perpetuating unlicensed cannabis industry, you know, wrongfully so, or whether or not it's tax issues that cannabis businesses are dealing with, I think that in many ways we're equipped to handle all of that. But anytime you want to introduce a new area and a new area of practice, especially one where it's still federally illegal, there's going to be a number of obstacles and, and hurdles. And I think that we faced all of those and uh, we're ready to make presentations and ready to talk about how as attorneys, we have this obligation to represent these companies who both need our help, but are taking up a huge part of the California landscape. And I, I mean, I, I always tell people, you know, even to my own detriment, people who say that they're cannabis experts in California, they are liars. They're liars. <laughs> right. As, I'll tell you the the regs are as old as 2018. And you know wow. what? Even those regs are not in place anymore. They just changed. They're constantly changing the city mm -hmm. of LA, constantly changing its own regs as well. So between the DCC and the DCR, we're constantly on our toes trying to keep up. So anyone who tells you that I'm a cannabis expert, I'm not really sure that those exist because no. the landscape has changed so much. And we are finding every day that our ability to uh, trademark and to copyright very our, our brands and slogans and i find that that is growing day by day you know not just california protections but with the lanham act as well we are also becoming very familiar with new york Oregon, all of these other states, as you've mentioned, my, I went to high school in New Mexico. So yeah. learning yeah. about what are going to be the New Mexico regulations as well. We, you know, to be on top of all of those things takes time and discipline. But there, you try and look up on Westlaw or any of these uh, LexisNexis, these services that provide for you legal precedent, you're not going to find anything on no. cannabis regulations. They haven't been around as much. And so lawyers who rely on precedent are going to be at a disadvantage in this area because you have to be ready to think outside the box. You have to be extremely disciplined in knowing, following, being aware of all the regulations and the way in which it can hurt your clients. And I think oh, yeah. that proving that we could do this as well as we do any of our other practice areas was really important to our firm as well. It because was basically a calling. Want... It was a calling that you that a, a company like yours since 1959, with all the all the the work you've done, you're doing you're doing a great service because this is an industry that is growing so rapidly, that's making so many billions of dollars of tax revenue for the state, that. You know, a firm like yours needs to come in and take the calling because like you said, it's for, for this point, you can't just be an expert, but at least you got to have the experience of being able to go ahead and following along the constant changes of this industry, whether it's a federal or state level and being able to stay on top of it. So I'm very glad that your firm, much like other law firms have made in the space, you're needed. 
you know, they, there's a lot of people relying on services like yours because this industry, in order to get through, they are going to need legal representation and real counseling and real expertise. So I'm really glad, Priya, that you have this wing, and I hope that we can continue to keep in touch. I really enjoyed this conversation, and thank you so much for making time to be a part with us. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you today. And I, I have to tell you on behalf of our entire group, we absolutely love our clients in the cannabis industry. Yeah. We love these guys. We care about them. They call us about everything from, can you recommend <laughs> private schools <laughs> right. to, you know, um, can you think of someone that can help us with a number of things, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just about insurance or things within the cannabis industry. These people are genuinely our friends and yeah. most of many of them are young and we care about them, their reputations. And that's one of the nice things about this industry still is that right. it's growing and there's so many lovely young people in this area, in this arena. And we, we really enjoy being part of it. Yeah. So again, the website is Greenberg Glusker, G-L-U-S-K-E-R.com. Again, Priya Sapori, I've been joined by the founder and co-chair of the Cannabis Department at Greenberg Glusker, LLP. Really appreciate you making time for joining us. Thank you, and let's definitely keep in touch. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you again for listening to another great edition of Blunt Business. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.